It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. The Guy Benson Show Sunday Replay. The week's most interesting interviews with senators, commentators, and newsmakers. Giving you a replay just in case you missed it. The Guy Benson Show. Well, joining us now is Dave Rubin, host of the very popular long-form talk show, The Rubin Report, author of the book, Don't Burn This Book. And Dave, it's great to have you back. Happy Hanukkah to you. Thank you, guys. Good to be with you. Now, before we get into politics, I did have to ask this. Am I correct that this is your first holiday season as a parent? It is my first holiday season as a parent. We, we now have uh, two boys who are both sleeping at the moment, hence I can join you on air. And it's also my first <laughs> holiday season uh, in, in actually in my home in Florida. I got to Florida. We got to Florida a year ago, two days ago, and uh, we, were, we were strung up for a little while before we closed on our house. So I am in a, in a great holiday mood. And, and man, what a, what a crazy, fast year. And, and it's ending in just such a such a sort of maniacal way with all of this stuff being exposed on Twitter. And, uh, and I'm feeling good about the work that I'm doing and the, and the life that I'm leading. So good to be with you. That's excellent. And we're going to talk about Florida. We're going to talk about Twitter. Just one more question on the personal front, if I may, because as you mentioned, you have two boys now. A Christmas ago and a Hanukkah season ago, you had no kids. So you went from zero to two in less than a year. That's got to be a little bit crazy. How are you guys dealing well, yes, we have uh, we have a four-month-old and a two-month-old, which I could Oof. spend the entire portion of this uh, program with you discussing the complexities of surrogacy and, and all of that kind of stuff. Uh, but, you know, I get why parents now say it's a blessing. You know, waking up and, you know, having a, a beautiful young baby smiling at you uh, or sometimes spitting up on you or whatever it might be is a much better way to start the day than, you know, fighting with an anonymous uh, anime avatar on Twitter. Uh, so that's been a nice sort of adjustment in life. And I think it's, you know, one of the things that it's done for you, you get this too, you know, guys that talk about politics for a living, um, you know, there's a sort of, uh, sort of immediacy to it. How does it affect my life where now I, I do have a little more of, of a runway of like, well, it's not just my life I'm worried about now. It's, it's the next generation's life, which of mm-hmm. course, you know, that intellectually without having kids. Uh, but mm-hmm. then, you know, looking at these kids and going, man, I want the world to be as good or better, hopefully better for you than it was for me. So it's a, it's an added boost into the, to the work and to the stuff that I, you know, spent most of my life pushing for and caring about. See, that's such a lovely high-minded answer. I was just wondering if you're getting any sleep. No. Oh. Not much, man. Not, not much. Uh, you know, a little bit here and there. I try to catch up. I'm, I'm a big fan of the. Uh, if they pass out while I'm feeding them, I can somehow sneak in a 10-minute nap. And you know, over time, if you get three 10-minute naps in a day, you've yep. got a half hour, and you can bank it. And then if you lose two hours, you're only down an hour and a half. So you just kind of you make it happen. You're becoming a master of the restorative catnap it sounds like (laughs) by necessity not by design it's sort of just what you have to do all right so you said it's been a year since you became a floridian a year and two days you made a big deal out of leaving california which i know you were for a long time reluctant to do and then you finally had enough you moved down to sort of the fortress of freedom in the country florida 
How has the year been for you as a new resident of that state? How is your life different, better, worse than it was before in your previous spot? I mean, I can tell you with no sarcasm or hyperbole or exaggeration that this has been without question the best year of my life. I mean, obviously, the, the kids are, are an incredible uh, and integral piece of that. But on, on the part related to freedom and related to what's going on in this country and the, and the political side, uh, you know, in essence, when I was in Cali for that last year, I was campaigning to get rid of Gavin Newsom. I was on the road with Larry Elder. And he, obviously, he was the, the number one candidate in the in the recall election going against Gavin. And I really, by the end, felt like an enemy of the state. I was audited by the state, I think, three days after the recall, which not coincidentally was the same day I put my house up for sale. And I felt like I was really fleeing, and I landed uh, in Miami, and I genuinely felt something lift off my chest because so many of the ideas and the things that I care about were not in line with what was going on in California. And then I get to Florida where the spirit of freedom is so strong. And, Guy, the thing is, that's not an intellectual exercise. That's not, oh, freedom is strong, like it doesn't mean anything in reality. It's like, man, not only does it mean something because the schools stayed open and, and they didn't force masks and all of that stuff that we know about, but what that does when you leave choices up to people, people are actually happier and more pleasant. And believe it or not, they physically look better and they're more engaged with each other. So, I, you know, I love the community that I live in and the neighbors and the new friends that I have. Uh, obviously, you know, I've done a bunch of stuff, including just yesterday. Uh, I was part of the uh, the Freedom Blueprint Conference with Governor DeSantis, and I think he is really, in essence, it doesn't say it on his desk, but in a lot of ways, he's the president of the United States now because he is the, he is the leader of a free America. And, uh, and it's nice to be part of something where you feel like you can be there and strengthen it as opposed to being part of something that you feel like you have to fight it all the time. I think there are moments that are it's valuable to, to fight against the system, and I, I really did give it my all, uh, but I, I'm certainly enjoying this end of it much more. Well, and when you're fighting statewide in a place like California these days, it just ultimately, even though you fight the good fight and pour yourself into it, at the end of the day, it's futile. And at some point, people give up and say, okay, I want to go shape a community and a place that wants me, that shares my values. You've done that in Florida. You mentioned DeSantis. I was reading part of a story earlier today. He won roughly 600,000 more votes than he did four years ago. He barely won by less than half a percentage point in 2018, and then, of course, won re-election by nearly 20 percentage points in Florida. That's not an accident. That is an incredibly impressive, really unheard of accomplishment. Like, Eight points is a blowout in Florida. Nineteen and a half points is just something that doesn't happen. But then it did. And this story was talking about how DeSantis really, of course, has extreme passion and loyalty among the Republican base in Florida, which has grown on his watch. Again, not coincidentally. He won independence handily. But he also won over what they're calling DeSantis Democrats as well, maybe people who left other places who didn't necessarily change their voter identification registration to the other party, but came to Florida and decided to vote for him, and maybe some folks who were already living in Florida who are Democrats who voted for him. I mean, he won Palm Beach County. You don't do that without winning some Democrats over. How do you see that playing out? How did he pull that off? Not just like an impressive improvement, but something that is startlingly attention-grabbing. 
Yeah, well, first, I'll tell you a funny story, because I did an event with Governor DeSantis on June 1st in Orlando, so the home of Disney at the height of the you know, nonsensical, quote-unquote, don't say gay thing. We did an event together, and we were sitting in the green room, about the two of us for about 10 minutes, and, and mostly, honestly, he wanted to talk about baseball. He wasn't really talking politics or anything. And I said to him, I said, Governor, you know, you might think I'm nuts, but I think you're going to win by 15 points. And he laughed in my face. He said, no, 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 seven, seven. So that, to your point of eight points, would have been a blowout, and he was thinking seven, and he gets this thing to 20, shows you that even for him, who had, you know, who is invested in this state, you know, more than anybody and knows this state backwards and forwards and was born here and grew up here, I mean, even he didn't expect the landslide that we got. And I think there's several factors that you're mentioning there. You know, you get this influx of people who fled places and then realize, boy, I better vote red or at least vote for DeSantis. And then, of course, the way the DeSantis wave helped Rubio, who, you know, basically everyone thought was going to win anyway, but he won in a crazy landslide. So there was a lot of things there. But I think the key part is what you're referring to as these DeSantis Democrats, these you know, really moderate, what we used to call blue dog Democrats, who could find someone in the Democrat Party that believed in some level, perhaps, of limited government, that thought that the government was not supposed to do absolutely everything. Uh, those people used to exist. They don't really exist anymore. Uh, you know, this would be a sort of JFK Democrat, or as uh, I'm originally from New York, this would be a Daniel Patrick Moynihan Democrat or an Ed Koch Democrat. They don't exist anymore in terms of uh, that we don't have politicians like that that are on the Democrat side, but they exist as human beings. And I would say there's an awful lot of them down here in Florida, because let's not forget, you know, an awful lot of Floridians, the, the snowbirds, we have people that come down here part time. A lot of them decided to come down here full time because they couldn't take it in New York anymore. And a lot of them are of a certain age where they were sane Democrats. So they're now realizing, boy, a sane Democrat of, say, 1996 is actually a moderate Republican of 2022, and that's exactly what DeSantis is. And he's also a family man, and, and he's a good, decent person, and, you know, he doesn't want to rule your life. He wants to set up the conditions for freedom, and I think if we can just keep making people understand that, I think this meme of the DeSantis Democrat will keep growing and growing, and that might be the, you know, there's not a lot of uh, uh, people that can move one way or the other politically, but a, a DeSantis Democrat that, that works, and that could be very important going forward. Well, he won 5 or 6% of Democrats in Florida, self-identified Democrats. He won independence by 8 or 9 points on a night where a lot of Republicans didn't do that well among independents, especially at the federal level. He won them, as I said, pretty handily. And then not only did he crush it among Republicans, he brought a lot more people into the Republican Party. I mean, hundreds of thousands of people signing up as Republicans in that state en route to this epic victory i mean you look through it he won everyone 30 years older or beyond right 30 plus he won hispanics by 18 points he even garnered 13 percent of the black vote a higher percentage of black men in florida just an interesting coalition that's how you get to a 19 20 point victory in a state like florida which brings me to an interesting question from your perspective on 2024 ron DeSantis and Donald Trump. Let's get to that as soon as we come back. Dave Rubin, our guest on The Guy Benson Show. Stay with us. We're back on The Guy Benson Show with Dave Rubin. And Dave, you live in Florida now. You love Ron DeSantis. You've been a Trump supporter. Everyone's looking now ahead to 2024. There's a real indication that maybe they might go head-to-head -head in a big way. We've seen some sniping from Trump already on that front. What do you make of it? Well, I'll give you the broad answer, and then I'll give you the specific answer. The broad answer is that, you know, candidates that people like, 
which, you know, whether whether anyone listening to this likes Trump or not or likes DeSantis or not, you have to grant that they have they really have bases that are going to come out and support them. Having guys that people like having to go at it in the in the you know arena of ideas is good, I think, generally speaking, because it sharpens you, it makes you a better candidate, et cetera, et cetera. Um, look, DeSantis and Trump, in terms of policy, are, are very, very similar in terms of the things that they care about and the, the way they want America to look, et cetera, et cetera. I, I can tell you this, and I, I voted for Trump. I've interviewed Trump. I like and consider his his kids friends. I think he's a decent man who actually has been treated probably more horribly by the mainstream media than anyone in the history of the world. The question really with Trump is he has a couple things that he has to figure out how to answer honestly. Number one is if he truly believes still that the election was stolen, and it's it's absolutely his right to believe that. If he believes that, then then it's hard to sell people on why you're running again, and unless you've done the work to ensure that they won't do it again, right? So if you really believe that, you got to get out there and say, hey, they stole it from me, but we've been on the ground in all of these states. Here's how we're going to ensure they don't do it again. Otherwise, the candidacy doesn't make a ton of sense. I think the other problem that Trump has is that we sort of know – what his top floor is at this point. You know, there, he can't bring in a ton of new people who are going to suddenly be like, boy, I, I didn't know that much about Donald Trump. I really do like him suddenly. But we do know that his, his floor could really fall out. A certain amount of people that are kind of over the games when he, when he said that Ron DeSantis line, which fell really flat, a lot of people were pissed at him because it was like, man, if you're going to go after DeSantis, which is your right, then pick a reason to do it, not because you're just name-calling. Uh, and then the other problem that he has is that, so you're not going to get a ton of new voters. The other problem that he has, basically, is that He's in a lot of trouble. Like, so there's so many distractions around him that can he organize? Can he get the right people to staff and the rest of that? So he has to figure out those things. Uh, but I will say at the same time, I don't, I have truly, truly no idea that this is planning on running. I, again, I know he loves this state and that's where he's focused. Um, I think that he, he makes the most formidable candidate, partly because of what you said before about the DeSantis Democrat. We know he can create a new coalition. He strikes me as a Reagan-esque figure. He doesn't make mistakes. Um, you know, he's governing here in an incredibly competent way, incredibly competent way. It is not easy to go against Disney and win, but he did it. He picks his fights properly. He doesn't have many downsides, but he has an awful lot of upsides. And all of that being said, if the, you know, I would hope that they could do some of this on the DL and have a lunch at Mar-a-Lago and discuss what they want to do, and, and maybe there's a way they can even team up through some of this stuff. Uh, but, you know, politics is a messy game, and, and we shall see what happens. Dave Rubin, lastly, you're no stranger to battles with big tech, suppression of content and that sort of thing. We have about a minute or two left. Just your overall thoughts on this really saga involving Twitter, Elon Musk. What's he up to? What are you seeing here? Oh, uh, look, guys, this is the story. This is bigger than any political story or who said what, when did they say it? Look, we are now finding out through these Twitter files what many of us long suspected, that the government was directly influencing big tech when it came to speech, whether it was suppressing the Hunter Biden story 
or whether it was suspending people on Twitter because they went against the narrative on COVID. Now, what's interesting to me about it is if you watch the way the mainstream media is covering it, you might go, well, what is that story? Because ABC, NBC, and CBS are basically not covering it at all. What they are covering is somehow that the government should be going after Elon Musk for a whole series of issues. So, look, we have an interesting opportunity where the richest guy in the world, who's quite literally trying to send us to Mars, has taken a little time here and an awful lot of money to, to let us know that something is wrong within the system. And it will be with it will be on us to figure out what to do with that knowledge. But I'm sure like you guys, I'm not surprised by any of this stuff. And I hope we can get more people to understand the severity of it. The absolute truth, this is not up for debate, is that government agents, government bureaucrats were talking to Twitter employees about what people should be suspended, what information should be stifled and everything else. And we now know for sure that Twitter had the mechanisms to shadow ban and do these other, you know, algorithmic tricks and things. So there's, there's which they did, and they were denying it. it. They denied for a long time that they did any of that. Now we know that, of course, they were doing it. And I think not only do the former executives at Twitter, some of them have real questions to answer. So do some officials at the FBI as well. And perhaps we'll get some of those answers next year as the Republicans take over the House. We'll be watching Dave Rubin. His show is The Rubin Report, at Rubin Report. You can follow him there. Dave, great to talk to you. Happy Hanukkah, happy holidays to you and your husband and your family. Get some sleep. We'll talk soon. Merry Christmas, my friend, and uh, hopefully I get to see you in the free state of Florida in the new year. That was this week's edition of the Guy Benson Show Sunday Replay. For more Guy Benson Show, go to GuyBensonShow.com or wherever you get your podcasts. The Will Kane Show is now dropping five episodes a week. Join Fox and Friends weekend host Will Kane as he tackles the latest headlines from his unique perspective, along with thought-provoking interviews with leading figures and live calls from viewers and listeners. Listen wherever you download your favorite podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.